0: Today our topic is the Masters, no not the golf tournament, actual Masters of their craft. An upcoming book from Jan Winter, the founder of Rolling Stone magazine, has stirred up controversy and it got me thinking about the Masters across all the arts, Kirby, Spielberg, Ditko, Coppola. My list of Masters is re-examined and it most certainly won't reflect your list of Masters, but... We put it all under the microscope on an all-new episode of Rob'servations. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Rob'servations, the show that demands that you talk comic books, superheroes, and all the ways they have expanded in wild and wonderful ways across all these different platforms, streaming, big budget, blockbuster record-breaking films, cartoons, videos, video games, just everywhere. If you would have told me when I was seven years old, pulling those newsprint comic books off the spinner rack, memories that are so rich to me, so cherished. If you would have told me that, that, that those comic books would have two movies on the $2 billion dollar list of which there are six movies that they would have two movies that had made two billion dollars uh for, for those of you inquiring that list is avengers uh endgame and avengers infinity war the, the the list of comic book movies but it goes like avatar one i think endgame then no i'm sorry avatar yeah avatar one endgame is number two i think avatar comes in again number three you get titanic uh in, in infinity war and star wars are the six i'm, I'm not sure that I got the order right, but the, the, the two billion dollar club. Uh, if you'd have told me that Avengers 141, the, the comic book that started this podcast, it's episode one of our observations. I, 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 I think there's a lot of good stuff in that episode. I've never re-listened to it. I wouldn't want to. It's, it's, uh, different technology, different usage of, 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 of the microphone and, and, and this, these programs that I use to bring you the podcast, but it is in fact, the first episode, because it is where my regular journey of being a comic book addict started. Where I was there every every few days, as 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 much as I could get a quarter, twenty cents, uh, you know, two dimes, a nickel, uh, whatever it was. For the longest time, it was four comics for a dollar, and that that was fantastic. But honestly, it didn't matter to me. I just mow more lawns, do more chores, because for so long, comic books were in the twenty five cents. 35 cents, 40 cents, uh, range. And, and, and you know, I, I could swing that. I could, I could not use my lunch money. I got sometimes 50 cents, 60 cents, 75 cents a day for, for the cafeteria for my parents. And, and, and trust me, that would buy you milk and a cookie, milk and a bag of chips. So, so if you're going, that wouldn't buy you anything today at, at the mini mart, you're right. But again, we're talking 1974, 1975. And, uh, man, I love it. People, my age, I watch, I watch different shows. Uh, you know and and people my age are 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 acting and and saying lines uh, referring back to the 70s on on a recent uh, episode of apple's the morning show one of the characters says could you have survived the 70s and i laughed out loud uh, you know that, that that phrase the 70s is used in my household a lot, a lot now more than ever to describe how how long ago that was but yeah if you would have told me that Avengers, the stars of Avengers One Forty One, would go on to be, you know, battling for the top spot of biggest movie of all time, which at one point it was, of course, it held that record. Eclipsed Avatar, Avatar got re-released and t- and re- reclaimed the top spot. But that's what we do here on Rob Observations. That's the kind of stuff that we're obsessed with today. We are going to talk about the Masters, the Masters, the Masters of uh of of art in multiple fields we're gonna obviously focus a lot on comic books we're gonna dip our toe into movies uh a- animation and as well music and and all of this uh is a result of this story this controversy that broke out in in recent days the co-founder publisher you know top dog over at rolling stone for many many years Jan winner uh I've, I've seen Jan winner uh, through the ages when he was interviewed again in the 70s the 80s the 90s he's always been a huge uh figurehead he he is one of the uh architects co-owners uh not not co-owners co-founders of the 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 rock and roll hall of fame of which he was just voted out of because of these remarks which refers to his book about the masters he if, if you know jan winner if you have uh if you followed his career, you know that he is a uh, music snob. Uh, really, really holds you know uh, the, the the art of rock and roll and music and lyrics and and songwriters and performers. He holds them in the highest esteem. The way that I hold Jack Kirby, Frank Miller, John Bissema, the the, the the these comic book masters. The 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 the. The incredible talents that I have referred to as masters again and again over the course of my career, and certainly over the course of this podcast, he is very invested in his own choices, as as is reflected in this book. The masters. The controversy is that the masters, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's Pete Townsend of the Who, it's John Lennon of of uh, of of obviously John Lennon and Beatles fame, it's Bono from U two. Uh, Bob Dylan, th- th- those are those are four of 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 the names that immediately uh, jump jump to mind. Uh, I, th- I think it's oh yeah, uh, the Grateful Dead. It, all all of these. The bottom line is every one of the masters that he chose uh, are white and male, and he answered terribly when challenged on this. Look, I, if you think that I'll, for for one minute I'm going to defend how stupid his answers were. He, he had so many opportunities to just say the right thing and say, you know what? I should have included Johnny Mitchell and, and represented given a, given a powerful female representation. I should have put Jimi Hendrix or Stevie wonder on the, on the list. Of course, uh, you know, you, you, acknowledge that, you know, there was some oversight. I was so invested in the, in the people that I personally believe, but it are, this is, this is, I'm, I'm thinking of, of how Jan winner sh- should have, should have answered this. And it and and there was a a million answers better than the answer that he got, and the answer that he got is basically dancing with him in terms of cancellation, which he won't be. He, he's too uh, he's too old, and he's too, uh, too 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 influential. Rolling Stone is is too big of of an institution, and you're like, life. What's a Rolling Stone? I, I get that. I, I understand that. We're going to cover that in in a second, but just know that for decades, Rolling Stone was the Voice the magazine, and it affected all things pop culture, from movies to music. When Star Wars was on the cover of Rolling Stone, when they would put uh, the, the the cast of Friends, you know that that was a big deal. They were a pop culture mirror, but their roots were in covering the music industry and the standouts in the music industry. And and one of the greatest representations of Rolling Stone, and and, and if memory serves, Jon Winter cameos uh, in the in the film. Is uh, Cameron Crowe's Almost Famous, and what what an amazing, really a, a, a biography of Cameron Crowe's early days when he became a writer for Rolling Stone, went on tour with different acts, bands, uh, was was a, was in high school, uh, a teenager, and this would this would then kind of be revisited later on. If you've ever heard of a movie called Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Cameron Crowe wrote that book. It came out my sophomore year. My sister bought it. I immediately bought it. It was just way too uh, compelling, and 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 uh, there was a flirtatious girl on the cover. I recently spent way too much to get a first edition of this. I didn't want a random paperback. I wanted the first edition the same a- a- as I read as a kid that my sister had, uh, which was this hardcover, and it covers a year in the life of a Los Angeles high school, and Cameron Crowe was in his twenties at that time, and he went undercover as a teenager with only I think the principal and one other teacher knowing it. And he became a student the entire year, got to know everybody, and wrote the book Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which went on to be the incredible uh, film Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where where you get Sean Penn and I uh, believe it was Amy Heckerling. If, if, if I'm wrong, I'll come back and 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 correct that. But uh, Cameron Crowe got his start at Rolling Stone magazine. And, and Almost Famous is is kind of based on his incredible experiences. And, and and you see him interacting with everybody when Rolling Stone was much smaller, had yet to become the cultural icon, Touchstone, that it, that, that, that it would become. But Jan Winter has always been, whether it was the MTV age and, and being interviewed and reminding everybody his influence, uh, Rolling Stone was a make or break. Uh, much more, you're going to say, Rob, it's, it's like the comic book version of The Wizard. No, this was intelligent. Uh, Rolling Stone was an intelligent magazine. It had in-depth, you know, sometimes 10, 15 page interviews uh, with with the subject and and really good, meaty uh, you know opinions and 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 research. And it just it just didn't casually gloss over uh, you know the picks that they wanted to make, what's hot or what's not. They would they would cover uh, an act that maybe they didn't like very much and talk about what almost won them over. Uh, before rendering their final judgment, Rolling Stone, great, great magazine, great institution, and here's the part we'll talk about: uh, the, the the actual, you know, the 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 comedy of 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 telling you about this a magazine because right now I could not recommend more highly a documentary that just started airing on Apple uh, Apple Television, which is a, a four part documentary called Supermodels, and it uh, covers Cindy Crawford, uh, Linda Evangelista. Christy Turlington and Naomi Campbell, and it and it and it talks about their impact, their rise, uh, you know, as, as these fashion models that became these cultural icons. They, they each became iconic uh, in the in the film of in, in the in the realm of pop culture and entertainment. But in the second episode, a, uh, I think it's a French journalist talked about magazines. He says he has he has a cool accent. I'm not, not going to try and uh, imitate it. But he goes magazines. You know, this is before Instagram and Facebook and social media, and this is uh, magazines were where you could get lost in. A magazine was someplace you relied to take you someplace else to show you another part of the world, to show you exotic lands that you would not otherwise encounter. And I'm like, that's it. Uh, and 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 certainly, being in the business of publishing magazines and comic books are kind of hand in hand. And and the idea that that again, your your newsstand, your your magazine racks are getting thinner and thinner, and the contents of the magazine are getting thinner and thinner. Especially those magazines that run on ads, advertisements, and, and you know, advertisers are pulling, and they are uh, advertising in different spaces, like like social media platforms. So, the heyday of all of this, you know, especially the fashion industry, was the boom in fashion magazines in the late '80s, early '90s. Just you, you could absolutely draw a correlation between that and the boom of comic books at the same time. But I just thought. The idea that my generation, and, and, and literally you kids in the 90s, you knew the importance of magazines. And look, 9-11 uh, each and every year, obviously we, we just commemorated, what, what what is it, the uh, the 22nd anniversary of the attacks. So I bought the next day because they all rushed out within 48 hours. Time Magazine, Newsweek, they had special uh, editions of 9-11 with horrific imagery. I'm not sure those same... Covers would be published today, but I i, I bought all of them, uh, and and I I've kept them in a in a special folder, and I go out and I take them out every year to remember the absolute condition and horror uh, that we all felt, uh, because I don't think it's healthy to, to to forget something like that. But what helps me reconnect is a magazine, and and uh, more so than me, you know, watching the Today Show on YouTube, Matt Lauer uh, re- recount. On live television what was going on i mean that 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 matters that's actual footage but it's the magazines that i turn to these snapshots these images and of course magazines don't carry the same weight as they as they once did but rolling stone was the king of all of these magazines and there were plenty of music knockoffs so jan winner jan winner was uh, sat atop this throne of pop culture and now he's come out with this book called the masters and the problem is that he only focused on uh the 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 subjects that he focused on were white and male and of course when pressed he gave a bunch of terrible answers instead of giving what what, any number of reasonable response uh which he chose not to and so now there's all sorts of problems he's no longer on the board of the uh, rock and roll hall of fame which he helped you know launch so so you know that that's his deal that's his problem but the idea that this book which is still coming out on september 26 called the masters got me thinking it got me thinking about who i have called out and what i who, who i've identified and i can't go back and erase and i'm certainly not going to take it down but i've identified the masters on my own uh podcast and and guess what my it's it's my mount rushmore episode which might have been uh season one or early season two but it's, it's one of the earlier episodes. And my Mount Rushmore is also all white and all male. So just for the record, just so we're clear, the the artist that Jan Winter uh, cites in his book, The Masters, is Bono, Bob Dylan, Jerry Garcia, Mick Jagger, John Lennon, Bruce Springsteen, Pete Townsend. He does not include any interviews with black or female musicians. And so again, when he was pressed on it, uh, he, he said a bunch of stupid stuff, and we're not here to defend it. It's indefensible. He did rush an apology out, and it didn't. It didn't stop the fallout because you know he 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 said some stupid shit. And uh, one one site, uh, one commentary from a different site said uh, he should have added uh, and interviewed at least one woman. And and one black artist for the public's sake, just to avert criticism, despite somehow stating that that they didn't measure up to his standard in his book, and 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 so again, you know, here here's where I think it it, it gets slightly interesting, is uh, I I can tell you right now that aside from the fact that 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 a uh, Curtis Mayfield or a Stevie Wonder Jimi Hendrix. Johnny Mitchell, Janis Joplin—that there should have been an expansion. Uh, But there's there's also an argument to be made. Again, if if we're just just going to do white males, uh, I I, I can I can tell you, like I think Paul Paul McCartney should be on the list. Okay, there 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 are other uh, I think I think I think Don Henley should be on the list. I, I think Stevie Nicks. Uh, maybe Mick Fleetwood. I mean, there is a ton of names. You know, you 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 can just keep going once the can is opened. And and despite him being stupid in not in, in not recognizing uh, the the tempest that he would create, only identifying white males, uh, which again th- there are plenty of white males that were left out, but. To, to, to focus and to not expand, because certainly at that time, again, you know, look, growing up, it was understood that of the modern guitar players, Eddie Van Halen was seen as a cut above all the rest. Uh, Even when Eddie Van Halen passed a couple years ago, you know, people just poured in with, you know, the best rock and roll guitars best guitars of all time. Uh, now, of course, there, there are others who would, who would beg to differ. Uh, but Eddie Van Halen would tell you that it was Jimi Hendrix. He was influenced by Jimi Hendrix. And certainly Jimi Hendrix was, uh, was absolutely, uh, one of the, if not the best. And without Jimi, do you even get Eddie Van Halen? So again, why, why isn't he, he in your, uh, book of masters? But the bottom line is, and no matter how, uh, Jan Winter would defend it. Those are his choices. Those are his choices. I don't agree with them all, but I can't really make an I can't really make an argument if we're, if we're just going to go white males. I I couldn't knock any of those guys. I couldn't knock any of those guys that he chose. Now again, do I believe that there should have been others uh, uh, included? I mean, look, Bob Marley. Come on, Bob Marley alone. uh m- massive, massive. Pop culture, music, musical, uh, presence, influence. But like I said, I then thought, well, who are the people that I think are my masters? Uh, in, in comics, the, the masters of the craft. And I thought back to my Mount Rushmore episode and they're all white males. And, and I, and I really started thinking back and, you know, beyond that list, I, I, I have, uh, Elevated so many white males uh, on the show: Howard Chaikin, Walt Simonson, George Perez, you know John Byrne, the, the, so, so many different names that I have that I have elevated. And I remember growing up, uh, being a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, grabbing those comic books off the spinner rack. I did not know other than. The depiction of uh, the cameos, and I covered that on a recent episode about just a classic Fantastic Four issue that had uh, cameos by so many different people in the Marvel offices. There were no magazines at the time, not the sci-fi magazines, reflecting the people who worked in your comic books. And very rarely did you get photos of the people who worked in your comic books. So this is the first time where I said, oh, that's what Roy Thomas looks like. Oh, that's that's what Jack, Jack Kirby looks like. This is how they're depicting Stan Lee. Oh, there's George Perez. Okay. So, you know, it was actually through comics that I learned how some of the comic book creators learned, looked for the first time. Um, but I did not know at the time that one of my favorite pencilers, Ron Wilson, bought everything he did. Uh, he did issues of uh, he, he was he was basically the regular Marvel two in one artist, which was a best selling top five book for Marvel, uh, featuring the Thing in Team Ups each and every issue, the Thing and Ghost Rider, the Thing and Power Man, The Thing, and Spider-Man, The Thing, and Human Torch, on and on. Uh, the the Thing and Machine Man. I mean, it was the other Marvel team-up book. And, and because Spider-Man was their number one selling title and they had a Spider-Man team-up book, their second best-selling title, The Fantastic Four, they decided to take the pop- most popular member of that team, The Thing, and give him his own book called Marvel 2-in-1, the dedicated... Regular artist of that was named Ron Wilson. I did not know until I broke into comics that Ron Wilson was black. I had no idea. Um, same with Keith Pollard. Keith Pollard was drawing at one point two to three books a month. He was drawing some of my favorite issues of, of fantasy four, 200. I, I did not I think in the first season I did uh, a podcast about the most amazing action comics. The 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 best action comics of my personal lifetime history, and Fantastic Four 200, I cite as to this day. And if I can crack it right now, I, I go back through it. I did a couple of weeks ago, so I know how fresh it is. It is the single best, most brutal, uh, just just vicious battle between Reed Richards and Doctor Doom. It, it, it feels like one of them is going to kill the other, and there is certainly a, a lot of animosity that has been building up towards this epic confrontation it has a Jack Kirby cover, but Keith Pollard drew the double sized issue. And that same month, uh, amazing Spider-Man had an anniversary issue as well, either 200 or it, it was in, in that range. He was also drawing the Thor at the time. Keith Pollard was, uh, extremely prolific. And during, uh, the first few weeks of my podcast, which was during the pandemic, all hell broke loose. Uh, the George Floyd, uh, murder. Let's call it what it is. He, he was absolutely murdered by those very compromised, uh, policemen. Uh, that just blew up even in my little quiet, uh, Orange County, uh, little, little community here. There was giant riots on, on, on four, on, on all four corners of our giant intersection. They, they closed it off, uh, it, 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 it lasted for weeks there was different weekends that protesters were coming down here the news was covering it, uh, it, it, it tr- trust me uh, during that period a lot of the businesses closed again like on, on Saturdays and Sundays following that so during during that time of what was clearly and has been historically documented as incredible uh, you know racial tensions and racial unrest I did a podcast. Cause I just it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that uh, that there is still so much tension and animosity. And uh, I did a podcast, which was telling you how comic books, comic books, the, the subject matter of this podcast, exposed me to some of my favorite heroes who happen to be black. And I will always, you know, just remember those times so uh, fondly. Luke Cage, Power Man, Luke Cage, Power Man was literally one of my favorite characters. I've I've documented this. How did a little white kid in Anaheim, California, uh, you know, idolize a, a a hero of Harlem, the hero of Harlem? He was badass. I loved his silver tiara. I loved his open, you know, yellow shirt, his chain. <laughs> he had a chain for a belt. At the same time, of course, you had uh, Black Panther by, by Jack Kirby good uh, black lightning at DC it was during this time of my childhood that Marvel and DC both really uh, gave themselves over to doing to, to depicting all manner of of diversity and I think the, the episodes called diversity in comics and little did I know that so many of these people Ron Wilson was drawing some of those power mans as well but uh, I, I don't believe looking back that the ratio was was uh, equivalent to on on any on on any level, but I'm going to say from what I have, the well, I mean ratio, the ratio of uh, white artists to black artists to to Latin artists to Filipino artists. But here's what I'm going to tell you: in my experience, in comic books, comic books to me is one of the most inclusive art forms. Businesses, I I, I don't I, I the, the the correct label seems to be failing me. But it is communities. It is one of the most inclusive. And I don't believe anyone from Marvel in DC. No, no, no. Let me backtrack. I don't want to believe that anyone uh, discriminated against anybody else. I think comic books, it was like, can you do them? They didn't care what uh, race, what minority, what color your skin was. Can you draw a cool comic? We'll publish it. I, and, and, and again, by, by finding out that so many of the comics that I loved growing up, there was no internet, there was no magazines giving these, you know, pictures. So so not only did I not really truly until five, six years into collecting in 80 and 81 when I started buying all these interview magazines, not only did I, I, I didn't know what anyone looked like. I didn't know what Jim Starlin looked like for years. I didn't know what, uh, what Chris Claremont looked like for years, okay? much less Ron Wilson, much less Keith Pollard. Uh, it, 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 you know, So, so I, I sit back, and and I want to believe that in the 70s and the 60s, they were just hiring whoever was talented and whoever could get the, the job done. Now, in my adult life, I have been able to stand in line and, and, and shake the hands of Keith Pollard and Ron Wilson and thank them for the amazing uh, childhood they gave me and buy prints and recreated covers. And, uh, and just celebrate the joy that they brought to my life but I can't get around that my masters uh, are all white and male and I think part of the part of the reason for this and I, I'm not I can't go much deeper than my own experiences uh, is that comic books the people that I put as my masters are the people who I believe perfected uh not, not only perfected, they 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 are the uh, the originators of the the application to the art form that they do better than anyone else, and who everyone else has lifted from. Jack Kirby is on my Mount Rushmore. I mean, I, I, let, let's go with a big no and a big duh. And and not only is he a master of storytelling layout, there's character design. There's, there's, there's gestures, figure work. Yes, figure work. No one throws a punch like Jack Kirby. No one, uh, really blocked out and displayed action, action choreography, the impact of, of powers and being hit by a cosmic blast than Jack Kirby. And imagination, imagination counts. Jack has a unique imagination and shared it with so many of us. And people like myself are still, um, like a vampire sucking on that neck, drawing blood from that talent because it was so, uh, it just, just unwieldy. It it just covered so much and continues to cover so much. And when I was breaking in, Jack was doing two to three books a month, uh, not breaking it in, breaking into consuming comics. When I was pulling comic books off the spinner rack, I, I've covered his his 2001 A Space Odyssey adaptation, which turned into Machine Man. He was doing Black Panther. He was Returning to Captain America during 1976, the the nineteen seventy six, the big bicentennial. Uh, and so those incredible issues, the big double page spreads, the bold storytelling, the incredible imagination, it was coming at me fresh. I would later you know, realize all of his DC comics work, but simultaneously with all of this, Marvel was doing their reprint line, which I would also get a 1965 Fantastic Four that Jack did at his peak, what many people thought his peak on that book. I was getting that fresh too, so there was no shortage of this particular master. And and then if you keep going with with my my other choices, which were Neil Adams and John Bisema, I just I'm trying to to share what I believe uh, are 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 the masters of their craft and their influence. And I base really how much everyone else, for lack of a better term, bit off these guys in creating, uh, you know. Not only the comic work, the comic book work of today has people who are openly, regularly, routinely uh, biting and, and, and influencing being influenced by the people that I particularly put on my Mount Rushmore, which is why I put them there. I'm one of those people by the way. I'm one of those people who is openly taking from Jack and Neil and Steve Ditko and for, uh, for, and from John Buscema. Again, John Buscema, the the master class figure draftsman, of all time but these guys were early 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 in the comic book world and i can sit back and i can make excuses for why maybe the doors weren't more wide open for more people of color but certainly those doors and those walls have been, have collapsed in the modern era i mean when image comics was launching we had the milestone era launch and i i, I believe Probably, in my estimation, the most important, and he probably doesn't. Gosh, you know, I don't know Dennis well, but I know him well enough that he he could absolutely live without this, uh, this, you know, identification. But in for for my in my opinion, Dennis Cowan is the most important, uh, most popular, most celebrated, most accomplished uh, black artist in comic books, and he was at the forefront. Of, of Milestone. It, it it really felt like Milestone could not have happened. I grew up, again, did not know Dennis Cowan was a black artist. Didn't see his picture. I just saw that one day he was drawing Power Man and Iron Fist. And before that, it was Cary Gamble. And I didn't know what Cary Gamble looked like until the 90s. And Cary Gamble was a white guy, and Dennis Cowan was a black man. And I just knew that I, I saw a whole lot of great influences in Dennis Cowan, along with a very distinct and personal stylized twist on his own work, I could identify Dennis Cowan within a few jobs. Dennis Cowan would go on uh, to 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 not only draw, you know, Power Man and Iron Fist, but he would draw Batman. Uh, he, he he would draw he would draw the Question. He would he would depict Green Arrow, and of course, he would help launch uh, Milestone. And all of their kick-ass titles. And uh, alongside uh, Dwayne McDuffie and, and, and the entire Milestone crew, they made a giant cultural impact. At, at a time when, uh, as I said growing up, there was a period where the number one uh, entertainer, the number one movie star was a black man, Eddie Murphy. The number one television star was a black man, Bill Cosby. The number one uh, rock and roll, maybe entertainers. Uh, but were Prince and Michael Jackson, and uh, and and then in, in sports, of course, you had from Walter Payton winning uh, a Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears, you know, and and uh, and Magic Johnson, and of course Michael Jordan. Uh, I mean, it was it was uh, just an explosion for for black entertainers, black athletes, and of course, you know they they dominated their comedians they they just ruled they ruled the charts uh their talent was recognized they they had broken through to the top echelons of every single category in sports entertainment uh obviously uh, on the road to, to 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 making uh great strides all the way to the white house in politics but in comic books the the same thing was happening and that's what milestone reflected and so now you did if you were buying magazines and not just wizard but in any of the comic book magazines, they were running photos. You you understood. You knew. And like I said, I'm just going to get back to you. Comic books is so ridiculously inclusive. And that goes beyond race. That goes to uh, all of the LGBTQ, uh, uh, y- y- you know, j- just every facet. It goes to every facet. Uh, all lifestyles, preferences, race. I see them reflected in comic books. I, 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 I am very proud of, of this aspect of the comic book business. And like I said, I just, uh, I, I, I then can't help but then pivot to a picture that I've shared on Instagram, and it's my favorite directors. And it's a picture of, of a dinner uh, that features Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, William Friedkin, who recently died, uh, recently passed away, his, his most uh, famous most celebrated work that you would know him from would be The Exorcist movie, which is truly a terrifying movie. And if I didn't already say, uh, let's see, George Lucas and Brian De Palma. And for my generation, those are the masters. So again, it's Spielberg, it's Coppola, it's Scorsese, it's Friedkin, it's uh, Brian De Palma, and it's, and it's George Lucas. If you go, who's Brian De Palma? <clears throat> so one of the most perfect films ever made is The Untouchables. If you've never seen it, watch it. Uh, I I I absolutely hit a home run when i showed it to my family during the pandemic luke chase livy uh joy didn't even remember it just blown away blown away it is a truly perfect movie costner and de niro are in top form but brian de palma with i i've heard others joke and i have joked myself with is this the movie where he made a deal with the devil like it is a perfect movie it was a giant hit it really helped jump kevin Costner's star factor but the Untouchables. He would then uh, direct the very first Mission Impossible, 1996. Tom Cruise sought him out because of his pedigree and how successful he was. Uh, Brian De Palma has an incredible catalog of films, but he, you know, was considered a master of his craft during this time. And, and trust me, the people, his other fellow directors, you know, saying nothing but praise for 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 uh, for all the work that he was doing. Of course, George Lucas speaks for itself. The guy. Uh, followed up a great comedy that no one thought was going to make money, no one thought was going to be successful, American Graffiti with this iconic Star Wars, and then would go on and produce the Indiana Jones film. I think his pop culture imprint is is complete, but he would probably tell you that he was mostly influenced by the Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon serials, of which I don't know the directors of those, uh, those, those, those bodies of work, but he would give credit to someone else. Let me tell you something. All, everybody at that table would also give credit To another one that they would say, no, 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 we're not the masters. This is the master, and that is Mister Alfred Hitchcock. I have told my kids, I have made my kids watch, uh, you know, the birds and and uh, and 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 watch so many of of Alfred Hitchcock's classics uh, beyond Psycho. That there's so much more. He is such an accomplished director, and, and maybe more, more than any one filmmaker, is the guy that all those guys were cribbing the most. He may be the Jack Kirby to all of those guys Spielberg Scorsese Coppola uh Lucas Friedkin De Palma especially i mean De Palma and and Coppola and Spielberg have had their big swings at 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 implementing Alfred Hitchcock's incredible camera work uh now later in his life and boy if you read documentaries it it would appear from everything that we can see that Alfred Hitchcock was borderline a uh a, a creepy dude and and yet again the work is the work and we and we and we uh we examine the work and 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 that's that's where we come up with was the work of a certain level of craft and so but i look at that t- that that uh that picture of those directors and i say they are white and they are male and of course they they there's a sicilian in there there's italian you know there's there's there, there's different representation but certainly they are white and they are male and again, I sit there, and I and and it gets down to at, at the end of the day. Uh, now, see, I'm not Jan Winter. I didn't publish a magazine, Rolling Stone, which was taken uh, from fr- from a song and a title from a black artist. So, I mean, th- th- that in and of itself, you know, think about that. Um, Rolling Stone magazine. He sat behind the controls. Now, his son, ironically who is who is left running rolling stone has also distanced himself they immediately put out a statement distancing themselves and saying this doesn't reflect our our beliefs one of the biggest in reading all the coverage one of the biggest problems was yon yon's position on the rock and Roll hall of fame because they believed it affected the inclusion of artists of now you know race color and 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 sex you know Are women being discriminated against? Are women being discriminated against? Are people of color being discriminated against? Uh, Is is immediately what one what 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 were what were the uh, the arguments put forth? And uh, many of the different news organizations cited that different bands and acts uh, were were writing in and saying this is problematic. You can't have this guy. He was removed from the board. He was uh, removed from the board from a from a institution he helped build up the the hall of fame and again rolling stone magazine he sat behind the controls of who got the spotlight and who didn't and so now looking back and if you don't think that these reporters went back and they checked as many covers and stories and were more stories being given to white people and males than females and people of color and so so all of that is out there all because he chose to do this book where he only lists masters and, and 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 from what I've read, I believe it's seven names. I thought it was six, but seven. I didn't realize Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen was on the list. And and he has his own criteria. He will tell you, you know, that he believes that they were uh that, that, that these masters that he selected had a certain you know uh, intellect and 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 approach. His words, not mine, uh, uh, and, and why he selected them. But really, it's it's those are the that's the music he liked. And, and 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 everybody, trust me, when Jim Valentino, who I have cited often, uh as a huge influence on so much so much of my career, Jim Valentino uh taught me how to tell a better story, taught me how to adjust my page layouts and my breakdowns, gave me a hundred issues of uh Fantastic Four, and said, Don't look at the drawing, look at the storytelling and look at the staging he gave me all his bootlegs, all his cassette tapes, said, for one weekend, I want you to listen to all these Beatles. Now, I don't think Jim, I think Jim, if pressed, he would give an inch to John Lennon, but I sat there, I would sit next to Jim for a year in a studio that we shared, and he loved Paul McCartney. And he would talk about how people saw Paul McCartney as kind of the pretty boy with the more bubblegum pop approach. But boy, oh boy, do I think Paul McCartney uh, is, is, I think Paul McCartney is my favorite of the Beatles. I in in my estimation, he edges out John Lennon. And and this is like A plus plus an A. That that's what you're looking at when you when you differentiate differentiate between those two guys. But Jan Winter clearly favored the John Lennon aspect and gave him more of a voice and even admits to letting John edit his own articles. He would he would let him edit his own articles. And in the supermodels, uh documentary on Apple, like for Cindy Crawford to do Playboy. One of her conditions was, I get to edit the whole thing. I get to edit the spread. I'll take less money. This is the deal I'm cutting. But I get to rubber stamp what you're going to put in that magazine. You don't get to over over overwrite my my conditions, my wishes. So Jan Winter favored these guys. This, these were his favorites. You know, maybe the books should have been called My Favorites, <laughs> who I believe are the masters. But the masters, and that's going to be the name of this podcast episode, is really up to your your discretion. In the comic book stores growing up, the two hottest names for a period, and it was because of the X Men and the Titans and their shared work on the Fantasy Four and the Avengers, it was George Perez and John Vernon. I have I would listen to and later get involved in arguments over who was better. And everyone would use different criteria. And, you know, in my own life uh, the 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 proof is that I also favor John Byrne, but I adore George Perez. I just they did things slightly different, but did I maybe get more consistent pleasure out of John Byrne's approach than I did George Perez? That that's kind of how I how I uh, boil it down to. But in no way, shape, or form did George Perez not give me umpteen hours of pure joy and 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 uh, and inspiration. But neither of those guys exist without my Mount Rushmore. So why is my Mount Rushmore uh, all white and male? I'm not here to tell you or to defend you. Uh, I'm just here to recognize that whether it's my picture of directors that I pass around, uh, and, and then it's not a satisfying actor. It's not a satisfying answer at all. But is it possible? Is it possible that it is because these things were of a time? And when I talk to you about how much I love Ron Wilson, Ron Wilson was a child of Jack Kirby. He was a he was an he was a Jack Kirby was a giant influence. When I say child of, I mean he was a disciple of Jack Kirby. When you saw Ron Wilson's page, one of the things that you responded so positively to was his incredible Jack Kirby influence. Whether it was Keith Pollard or Mark Silvestri, uh both guys hugely. First influence you're going to see, especially early on but still to this day, you're going to see John Bissema. John Bissema ignited, I mean, umpteen imitators, almost as many, maybe if not more, than Jack Kirby. Uh, for me, Steve Ditko is a master because nobody has ever drawn anything like this cat, and at his peak, I've, I've explained, at the early dawn of Marvel Comics, he was a better artist and draftsman than Jack Kirby was. Jack was still performing. Jack would become Marvel's most important uh, illustrative force A few years later, but at the time they arrived, Ditko was more polished. Ditko was more complete. He was inking his own work. So you got the entire vision of Steve Ditko. And if you go back and look at those early 30 plus issues of Spider Man, the imagination, the storytelling, the gestures, oh, it is, it is master craft work. Spider Man today does not exist whatsoever without Steve Ditko. He is on that Mount Rushmore. Neil Adams redefined. Illustration in comic books grabbed new and, and and before you go, what about Frank Frazetta? You know, what about what about uh all these other incredible? uh What about Alex Raymond? That's who I was thinking. Alex Raymond. What what about what about so many other masters? Well, I, I'm telling you, Neil pulled from influences and then catapulted past them, catapulted past them so quickly. But I believe it is a, of a time that in the '60s because each one of these gentlemen shined in the 60s uh, there was uh, probably not a whole lot of people contributing uh, to comic books period uh they, they were in no way uh, as 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 plentiful as they are now I mean you guys when I go and I look at the order forms so, so I'll pull out a catalog from 1991 when when you know my stuff is coming out and that catalog and the offerings of it are so much slimmer than the catalog today. Which kudos to every single retailer that orders books and 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 is completely overwhelmed by all your choices. But back in the the '60s, and and then again as you get to the '70s, man, comics are are weaning. So when I'm buying them, when I'm buying them, we are we are about to run into two uh, implosions, two consecutive uh, periods where comic books shrink and there's less of them. So so um, when I'm getting in, there's less choices, but at least when I'm getting in, there are, uh, you know, there is diversity in, in the hirings from both Marvel and DC. And again, th- th- there was an incredible uh, influx of, of Filipino artists, uh, Asian artists during this time from, from Rudy Nabriz to Alfredo Alcala, uh, Tony DeZuniga uh just just suddenly those were the names that were on many many comics collaborating with one of the many of the people that' I'm, I'm sharing with you Alfred Alcala Alcala met him went and sat and watched him do ink wash and draw at a creation convention in 1982 uh he inked and collaborated with Jack Kirby uh Rudy Nebrise Alfredo Alcala regularly Tony dezaniga regularly inked over John Buscema on a myriad of different uh fantasy, and, and Conan comics. Uh, and another thing about John John Buscema, there's nothing this guy didn't do that he didn't do better than everybody else. Superhero comics, sci-fi comics, uh, action adventure, fantasy. But yeah, you sit there and when we get to talk about the masters, and let me tell you something, as you are listening, your list of masters is going to be different than mine. Do I think there are masters in, in my peer group? I don't. I do not because I can isolate and tell you exactly where all of their and including mine stuff comes from, so so we're taking from other sources, which means we are taking from masters. Somebody's gonna say hey, Barry Windsor Smith should be a master. I I can I can make that argument. I can make I could argue against it. I can argue for it. But your list is gonna be different than my list. And at the end of the day, comic books in the '60s was not, from what I can see, uh, and I would I would love to uh be disproved but it was not as inclusive as it would go on to become the 60s were of a time where you just did not in as much as i can go through and i and i look at names uh like carmen infantino and i look at ross andrew and i look at gil kane uh, i look at wally wood so many of these these were male white guys it's certainly i'm going to tell you right now and, and and maybe this is comic books dirty little secret but we're, I think there were maybe two to three female talents in comics when I broke in, at, behind the scenes executives at Marvel Comics, as well as talents. We have covered uh, Wendy Peeney on this show and her incredible independent accomplishments with ElfQuest, which is just phenomenal. Listen to that episode. ElfQuest, hunt it down. It is so ridiculously impressive it is an incredible body of work i still believe one day we will see it expand and 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 i w- and everyone will know what elf Coast was i truly love ElfQuest. i celebrated it with a dedicated ep- episode uh you know the uh marie severin was a long-standing bullpen staffer at uh at, at marvel she and her brother uh were, were were common uh talents that you saw all the time in the in the 60s and the 70s uh she she was literally uh, uh, uh Staff person who would could could uh, do retail could do touch-ups uh, could could do you know uh, production art as well as contribute her own pencils inks uh, on any given story at any given time. But about about you know mid '80s, I covered it. I did an entire episode on the women in comics, and I'm going to tell you something. I don't mind telling you this, and 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 it it just is what it is. I'm not trying to cast shame or judgment. But it is the lowest-rated episode of Rob *Observations* ever, ever, and I was stunned. I really was stunned. It's not going to disparage, discourage me from doing more. Uh, but uh, talking about the, the 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 dynamic women of comics, and the 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 June Brigmans and the Cynthia Martins as they were breaking in in the in the uh, eighties, you just didn't see them as much in the executive suites. There was maybe one or two editors behind the scenes or assistant editors. Uh, certainly at D- DC, you're going to be like, Rob, the, the publisher was a, a woman, Jeanette Kahn. She was absolutely that, that, that is, I, when, when I get to Marvel though, I, it's harder for me to see a lot of women in places of power and influence. It's different now. Everybody has much better representation as it should be. And, uh, we are a family, the Liefeld family is a family of love and inclusion. And I believe that is what we should be sharing. Everybody is love and inclusion. And, 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 and we as a family practice what we preach and hopefully if we were to make a stupid dis- uh, statement like the one Yon Winter would we would apologize for it. I can't explain to you why uh, the artists that were available at the time uh, you know were white and male in the 60s and 70s but but certainly again as as it expanded, we got uh, way more. Way more uh, diversity in comics. And Vic Bridges is a name that came to me in the uh, independent comic book world. He drew exactly like John Byrne, the closest anyone has ever done to capturing John Byrne's essence, his style. And Vic Bridges, I did not know until the 90s, was a black man. Okay. So, so you don't, again, there was no photo of him. And, and the biggest revelation was that two artists that I had hundreds of, 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 of copies of and, and look, Ron Wilson and Keith Pollard are just two of the incredible pillars that I, I I may tend to focus heavily here on the works of Frank Miller and John Byrne and X Men and Daredevil and how incredibly inspirational they were, but Marvel Comics was built on the backs of 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 people like John Buscema, Sal Buscema, Keith Pollard, and Ron Wilson who were prolific and they put out. A lion's share of work that, that that gave you so many monthly comics. I mean, Sal Buscema with the Hulk and uh, and Rom and John Buscema with the Avengers and Fantastic Four and Conan and and Warriors of the Shadow Realm, the Weird World epic that he produced in the in the, in the late seventies. Uh I mean, it, it, it's it. it the, there were times where Sal Buscema in the seventies was drawing Captain America, the Defenders. The Avengers and maybe all in the same month or week. Uh, he was that prolific. Ron Wilson doing uh, Marvel two and one again, doing Luke P- Luke Cage, uh, Power Man, doing all manner of covers. Just so many covers for Marvel Comics. Again, Keith Pollard regularly drawing three flagships: Fantastic Four, Spider Man, and uh, and Thor. Big big Thor storylines. So. It's great looking back, realizing that Marvel and DC were as inclusive as they were during a period where I had just started, you know, creating comics. But the bottom line is, the masters who you believe right now uh, are masters of comic book work are not going to be my masters of comic book work. And hopefully, we're 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 just basing it on craft and and uh, an accomplishment and and not any other factors, but certainly if someone were to ask me, well, Rob, do you believe there should have been, I would, I've just spent an entire episode telling you about Ron Wilson, Keith Pollard. I can throw in uh, Vic bridges and, and uh, those are just, you know, off the top of my head, but, but Ron Wilson and Keith Pollard are literally giving you hundreds of pages a month in some cases for Marvel comics in 75 76 77 78 79 uh, you know at at this time but the masters i just i I hold it out there i have no answers i have no there's no answers to be here my my list is going to be different i source my masters by uh the masters of the craft by how influential i believe they were and i just don't believe you can get more influential than the names that i have put on the list and When I look again at those directors, I think they were incredibly influenced by the, you know, producers and directors of all that had come before them as well. Certainly, uh, you know, Spielberg, uh, Coppola, Friedkin, Lucas, I mean, these guys, they wore their influences, they absolutely wore their influences on their sleeves. As far as those directors are concerned, other notables that that are incredibly influential to them are are John Ford, who uh, huge hugely impactful, uh, influential director. I mean Clint Eastwood would would cite uh, who, who literally Clint Eastwood who has become I think even more uh, impactful with his directing than than he has his 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 acting uh, would, would cite John Ford, John Ford who did the the, the Searchers and the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, The Grapes of Wrath. I mean, you, you, you're, you're, At least your parents know who John Ford was, and so did those guys sitting at that table. Also, John Huston. Uh, all of these directors wore their influences on their sleeves. As regards, in regards to comics, this entire discussion, like I said, the Yon Winter thing got me to think. Thinking, you know, bold title, The Masters, and then his selections are his selections, and his answers were terrible. And should he have included yes? uh you would call it tone deaf and his response was even more tone deafier uh, I mean your own son distances yourself. the magazine that you you created as a beacon for pop culture distances themselves. It's just bad bad answers. This discussion uh, is just that. it's it's meant to draw no conclusions and just offer up d- different instances, certainly that impacted me across you know the spectrum of my own collecting and and then we get to the present day and so much i'm going to tell you before he was the editor-in-chief cb cebulski in the early 2000s was the talent coordinator talent director talent scout for marvel comics he jumped all over the world uh japan hong kong you know all all over europe looking for uh attending conventions, following up leads, grabbing so much of the influential talent that that depicts uh Marvel comics, both Marvel and DC, the comic book world in general at large, is is much more internationally representative than it has ever been at any time uh that I have been experiencing comics, certainly working in comics. And and that is the result of people who went out there like CB, uh, contacted those talents, recruited those talents, uh, got those talents to believe that they could hit those deadlines and make their mark. So again, I'm going to get back to what I've said repeatedly. I believe the comic book industry, since I've been attending conventions as a fan and a pro, is incredibly inclusive. And I'm so proud of it. Uh, it, it, It's one of the things, how can you be uh, discriminatory in the arts, okay? Now, every business in its, uh, you know, in its early stages, is going to confront. I think what what, what we'll just call, what, what we'll just call the old ways. The old ways. I mean, you guys, it's not like there are entire institutions, uh, uh, in, in the world of sports. I mean, you you look no further than baseball, <laughs> and it has a giant, uh, it has a giant issue that it had to overcome and uh you know Jackie Robinson right there J- Jackie Robinson alone is is uh is 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 the shining example and i'm pretty sure baseball at that time was more important than music of any kind certainly comic books but they had to overcome all manner of uh discrimination and You know, it's uh, it's just you go back to the earlier, the earliest stages of each of these institutions, and you you experience a lot of ugliness. I don't know about any, I don't know of the discrimination that was happening early on in comic books. I can tell you that it looked, it appeared that the people who were doing regular work were uh, predominantly white and male. Again, just like the subject matter about yon winner's book the masters that has just that has been the catalyst for this entire discussion this entire i feel like this this should have the moniker of a very special episode of rob's observations but it's it's worth kind of digging through uh music has always felt the most diverse from you know the the just music has just always uh and and, and it feels like some of these names on this list were taking From black artists as well so it's even more ironic that he did not you know uh expand his field to include someone of color and and a female you know in this and look i'm not trying to subscribe to any anything what, 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 what that's called woke but i'm also very realistic and when i say what i said five minutes ago uh when i started my studio we, in Extreme Studios, I am proud to say for the five, six years that we had it up and running was the most, one of the most uh, diverse places. We had Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Filipino, Mexican, Indian. Uh, we, we had Swedish. <laughs> yeah, I had to throw that in there. Uh, when you, uh, uh, when, I see, uh, John, when I see Jonathan Sobald, Danny Mickey, Norm Ratman, when I see Marlo Alcaiza, and when I see Jeff Matsuda and Chap Yap, and I see Kiko Taganashi, and I just look all up and down, uh, there's a giant group picture that we took. And I'm so proud when I see, uh, you know, all of the different various names and, and people that we were routinely, and that's just who was in the studio, not not who we would also packed with and get work from again Vic Bridges and uh and Jason Pearson and and Chuck Jones not not that Chuck Jones the Chuck Jones that was drawing comics for extreme uh we were we we just saw work we just we 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 hired I hired based on uh the work the craft the potential over and over and over again and we were uh extremely diverse because that's just I wasn't raised to look at any other at at, at things any other way so you know didn't draw any conclusions i'm not sure there's any to draw again discrimination early in comics around the 50s and 60s uh it's possible i just haven't done my research on this one and i didn't bring the receipts today but i brought my own experience that when i was growing up and i was collecting comics that marvel had already crossed the, the 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 you know crossed that bridge and comic books were so much more diverse the avengers comics that i hold in the highest regard the the george perez avengers of uh what i've called the Korvac saga which is to me still the best avenger saga ever it included the guardians of the galaxy starhawk doctor strange um just incredible giant scale huge scale of this cosmic entity this this villain from the Guardians of the Galaxy that arrived in Earth, took a different form, and only grew in in cosmic awareness and power and, and eventually threatened everybody uh realities beyond our own. <clears throat> Most of the key chapters are illustrated by George President, inked by Pablo Marcos. I, I own some of those pages. Uh, and and that is like, you know, uh proud, diverse, artistic hands touching those pages. And Marvel again had just whether it was Rudy Nabriz, Alfredo Alcala, George Perez, Pablo Marcos, Jose Delbo, uh, you know you, you just had all manner of representation, and and Marvel Comics was fun, and I didn't know who was what, uh, and 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 didn't match names with faces or identities for years. Th- there was an outstanding artist named Billy Graham who was actually drawing Black Panther prior to Jack coming on and them, them relaunching it. And Billy Graham was a phenomenal, just incredible figure work, inking detail. Uh, many of the storylines that he illustrated, co-co-wrote, co- co-depicted with a, an, an author named Don McGregor or the basis for what you saw in the original Black Panther film that came out in 2018 uh, that just exploded So yeah, Billy Graham uh, could not uh, do this episode not mention Billy Graham alongside Ron Wilson and and and, and Keith Pollard again. Just uh, incredible time growing up and 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 comic books as as a whole has never looked back, and the diversity uh, has continued. But also, who is a master of the craft? What is your criteria? What are you basing on? Your list is not going to be my list. I understand that already. I don't need to make your list my list. I hope you don't need to make my I hope you don't need to make my list your list, okay? And I don't need to make yours mine. But uh, interesting, just stirred some thought. Wanted to talk about it. Did that. Uh, as far as directors, obviously the business in Hollywood has uh, greatly also diversified with incredible directors like Greta Gerwig and Olivia Wilde and 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 so many others that are just kicking ass, taking names, making some of our favorite sci-fi, Star Wars superhero films uh so, so so all of the industries are moving in the right direction and that's great to see but great to see but masters masterclass. class would all those directors at that table concede that alfred hitchcock was superior to them i say yes i think they would so that they would say i'm not a master but to my generation they were the masters so really it's gonna everything of course is always of a time even the the bad decisions are of a time but we tried to cover all this today i hope you enjoyed the discussions and and the um you know examination of the masters all thanks to a uh huge bumbling stumbling and some stupid comments made by Jan winner who should definitely not have doubled down and should have immediately acquiesced in my opinion and said my book should have reflected more absolutely 100 percent uh and and you know could have absolutely Avoided all of the, the 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 stuff that happened. My my wife said, "Why do you think he said that?" I said, "He's seventy seven years old. He's rich, and he doesn't care." I mean, that's I've met these kind of guys, and at some point they just go, "I don't I don't give a shit." But then when their comments are brought to light and put under a giant microscope, and then they go, "Oh crap!" You know what? I I should have I could have avoided all this heat if I had expressed myself differently. And in expressing myself differently, maybe revealed you know that that uh, that i had advanced my thinking <laughs> i'm speaking on behalf of jan winner that when i say could have i could advanced. i'm thinking of what he could have said but anyway it was the catalyst for a great discussion i love talking comics with each and every one of you thank you every week that you listen to this show i i could not be more grateful uh i could not be more uh just just truly humbled by the the success that you have 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 uh have offered up our show and i'm telling you uh some of some of the recent episodes thank you you're you're just showing up in in the biggest numbers ever there are there are weeks four out of seven days five out of seven days that we are the top rated show uh, across the platforms and that is because of you and your word of mouth and your enthusiasm and i am so grateful for you thank you so much for listening in uh we we, we, we could not uh celebrate the ways that you are so generous to us uh, if we tried. We could not celebrate it more if we tried. And what happens here on each and every episode of, of rob's Observations is that I try to share that enthusiasm that you uh, commit. I try and share that by reading your comments at the end of each and every episode today's uh, review that I'm going to share with you is very heartwarming, very touching. It comes from Josh, O-N-I-M-U-S. I'm going to say it onimus. I hope I said it right. Maybe it's onimus. But Josh, you left me the most generous uh, comment and review, and I'm going to share it. Uh, you said, I just want to personally thank you. Your podcast has been a therapeutic release during tough times that I've endured recently. And how often can I actually thank someone personally for this? So I wanted to tell you, thank you. For being who you are, caring as much as you do, and just being so down to earth. It is truly inspiring how humbling you are. Thank you, Rob. I escape with your podcast and some of the darkest days, and it provides momentary escapism that is much needed. Love you, Rob. Keep up the work. It's just what I need. He then adds a PS and says, because of your podcast, you're now known as Uncle Rob to my son, and he's now into it. You are part of the family, and he gives me a big smiling emoji. Hey, Josh. This is why I sit here and and talk comics, history of comics, you know, events of comics. I do it just to share my passion and I am, uh, because I know there's other incredibly passionate people out there who love comics just as much as I do. And it's great to have this connection and have this show. And so, Josh, thank you. Those those are the kindest words. Uh, And and I I appreciate you so much. Again, I I know uh, that what it takes to pause, you know, open up, uh, write a document, send a document, file a document. I, I, I realize it takes time and effort, and I thank you. And, and Josh, this is truly heartwarming. Thank you so much for reaching out and sharing that review. Again, when you leave a review for this show like Josh just did, I read it at the end of each and every episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you so much for supporting my work, uh, my writing, my, 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 my art over these last 38 years. Right now, I, I have to tell you, Uh, I have a new comic book in stores. Deadpool batter blood. Number four has arrived. It is on your store shelf. It came out September 20th following Deadpool batter blood three, two, and one. We've had an issue out every single month, June, July, August, September, October's issue will be out in, in, uh, four weeks. So we will wrap it all up with issue five, but I think issue four is the very best chapter in the entire saga. I am super proud of it. I hope you dig it. If you like Wolverine and Spider-Man and Venom and Venom pool and Deadpool and cable, and new faces and places and villains. I think you will totally dig it. I really do believe it would pass the test of handing it to anybody. Um, I've been around the block. I've been doing this for a while. I'm fairly confident that I'm 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 pretty good at what I do, and I like to uh, share it with as many fans as possible. Thank you for supporting Deadpool in all of its incarnations. Deadpool: Badder Blood, number four, is the latest chapter. It is out now at a comic store near you. I hope you search it out and you can and you can grab a copy i am all over social media i am on twitter i am at robert leifeld r-o-b-e-r-t-l-i-e-f-e-l-d at robert leifeld on twitter i would love to connect with you love to talk to you uh, read your comments your dms your messages it is such a it's so fun interacting the blue check uh that comes and goes but right now it's there uh, uh identifies me as legit it like, identifies me as uh the real rob leifeld that you're talking to robert leifeld is my handle over at twitter i hope to see you over there on Instagram a video diary of my life what I'm drawing what I'm eating the time the times that I'm having with my friends and family where I'm traveling to I try and share it with you on Instagram Uh, it's just a visual diary Uh, hopefully it provides some entertainment I love seeing uh, all of your comments your DMs again your messages thank you for sharing and interact with interacting with me on Instagram I'm Rob Liefeld I'm just Rob Liefeld over on Instagram I would love for you to join me another blue check tells you that it is really me not a phony account Rob Liefeld on Instagram, look me up, hang out with me. I would love to see you over there. I have a group on Facebook. It's called Rob Leifeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. That's the full title. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. So many of the things we discuss here, the discussions continue over there in a more long form way. We share art, we share comics, ideas. It's a really great place. People are well-behaved. If you're going to join that group, be well-behaved, be polite, be kind, be nice, be respectful. Uh, Either myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, will click you all the way through. We're the two administrators, the moderators of the Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond Facebook group. Look for it, and we hope to see you over there. We would love to have you uh, part of our little fun community that we're growing and building. I will be at the New York Comic Con. In the second week of October, I would love to see you there. I have uh, VIP packs with exclusive comics that you can get on my website, RobLifeldCreations.com. You will get to the head of the line. We service the VIP packs first each and every day, wherever we appear, and especially here at this show, it's so crazy busy. You can get your business out of the way if, if, if interacting uh, with me or getting some of my products is a priority to you. I cannot recommend more the VIP packs that are available on Rob Creations all one spell, just spell it all out, com. It'll be the first thing you see on the menu item. Click through, again, uh, the best value you're going to get on some really rare variant comics that you're going to only be able to purchase from me. So I hope to see you there. It's going to be a great time. New York Comic Con is just an all-time banger of a show. It's going to be great. I can't wait to, uh, to see you, to interact, and to have great fun. We have a variant cover that we're going to be debuting there. You might have seen it. It is my homage to the famous Cap's Boobs with Sam Wilson. It's Captain America number one. It exploded across the internet. I did an entire episode recently devoted to it. Captain America number one, my Sam Wilson Captain America cover is exclusively available from me and whatnot at the New York Comic Con. Uh, You're going to get physical copies from me and my table first at that show. So you're going to want to be there the uh, a special uh, Whatnot variant of Captain America number one that I illustrated is going to be available at New York Comic-Con. Uh, look, find me, look for me, and 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 we'll be able to connect. I'll get you in my exact location here soon. And uh, again, the VIP packs are the way to go. I mentioned Whatnot. I live stream on Whatnot. We're down to about one time a week now. Look me up. I'm Rob Liefeld on Whatnot. If you want to follow me, you'll get uh, alerted to when our next show is. And we would love to see you And I have signed comics, signed variants, exclusive mystery boxes, art, signed Funkos, uh, toys. I draw on everything. I do remarks. Really, I am not traveling. I'm not doing conventions at this point in my life. Uh, New York is the only show that I have been to in the last uh, year. And now, once I go to New York, I have no plans of doing any more personal appearances for the next year. I'm basically just here in my cave making work. This is how I get to make comics is by being home and not on the road. And uh, I know you, you're like, well, but, but so many people are out on the road. I, that's just not my gig right now. My gig is staying home and making comics and making work. And and I just, I do want to mention this. I've said this many times. I don't need to draw another comic book in my entire life. That is not, uh, I don't make really my living from comic books. It's, it's fun. I am well provided for when I do a comic book, but my comic books, and the reason I'm doing comic books is, is legacy. It's to put more work out there. It's to build my bookshelf. It's to have more hardcovers, more trade collections, to to have a larger body of work, to continue to to, to turn uh, 5,000 pages into 6,000 pages, do over 100 pages a year. That is my personal benchmark, my personal goal. That is why I am doing comic books. It is my obsession. It is my passion. And I'll do them wherever I am able to do them. Right now, again, I've been doing a, a ton of work over at Marvel. Expect more extreme work from me, uh, uh, extreme and image comics work in the in the very near future in 2024, and uh, just excited to get all of it out to you. But as far as being in person at conventions, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be at home, and the way that you can reach me is on Whatnot through my Rob Liefeld uh, account over there. You'll get notified. I go live. It's a blast. Some people uh, have, think it's an it's extension of this very... Podcast, but I love interacting with you. I love seeing you. It's me. I'm sitting on a beanbag chair. It could not be more casual. I could not be more, um, slothy. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm in, in full sloth mode, but I love seeing you. Uh, follow me on whatnot. Maybe we can make any connection. Maybe you'll get a laugh or two. Uh, and, 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 and that, that, that is uh, satisfaction enough for you. But again, Rob Life on whatnot, follow me and you'll get notified, uh, when my shows are going up. And I hope to see you, uh, when we boot up generally somewhere between Wednesdays and Saturdays. Hey, end of the episode. I always want to wish you well. I hope your spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional health is in the best possible place. Take time off. Get away from the grind. Spend time with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Read a great book. Read a great comic book. Watch a fun movie, something that you love on streaming. You deserve it. You deserve to take a break from all the hectic craziness. Look, uh, you know, a pandemic hit. A kid of mine that came home from spring break couldn't go back to college. I had two high schoolers shut down. That was crazy times, right? For all of us, maybe you had kids who were younger. Maybe you didn't have kids at all. Maybe they had moved out. Or maybe you don't have kids, period. It's just you. It's just you and your wife. It's just you and your girlfriend. Whatever. We've all been through crazy times. We know what those feels like. We, we know what that feels like. And, and we're still recovering. We're still coming out of it. This show will start in a pandemic. It'll always, to me, be, be, be tied to those crazy times. Uh, just take some time off. Get away. Have a great meal. Uh, Go out to that kick-ass Italian restaurant, Mexican restaurant, Mediterranean restaurant, Indian restaurant. Go get sushi. Now I've listed all the things my kids like. Really, all I want is a hamburger. Okay, don't I didn't say that. Uh, But I definitely am gonna have a a candy bar. And you know what? I I do have candy bars beyond Reese's big Reese's big cups. Somebody said, "Do you you have the trees? Do you have the pumpkins?" Yeah, those are all good. They're not thick. The big cup has the thick chocolate layer. It's it's so much more dense. That's uh, that's why I prefer it. It it really has more to do with the chocolate than the peanut butter. Um you could just suck the peanut butter out and just give me an empty chocolate shell and now I've given away the trill, the real truth and that's the sadness. I just I think the chocolate tastes better from Reese's. Okay? Don't get me started. I love Kit Kats, I love M&Ms, I love Snickers. Have a candy bar. Have a great cheat meal. Just have ice cream. Oh my gosh, the ice cream explosion is 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 in our community. All these brand new custom ice cream places. Uh, the, we're going to have to do a follow-up to fast food and comic books. We are Uh, we got more stories to tell. Hey, those are for another time. I hope you are doing well. Fist bump uh, right through the microphone. Wishing you all the best. Please come back and see me. I will be here. I will be here next to the mic. I will be waiting. We will most certainly, absolutely, inevitably talk again real soon.